0: I do that. I probably did. Sorry about that. Hey, well, it is a great privilege to be with you. My name is Peter, and I'm the pastor of Calvary Baptist Church, and I uh, bring you greetings from them. Um, they are a, a sister church, and we're excited that um, we at our church are excited that there are lots of churches around the country for the good news of Jesus, and it takes all of us to do it. So we're, uh, we're glad to, to be here and, and uh, certainly glad to share in your service together. Um, so I thought, so this is a church i am from, but we just got this new logo, so I'm trying to put it on everything because I, I really like it. Um, the message that I want to share with you is it, it's, it's a message from the, from the scripture, but it's a little more informal, and I hope that's okay. Um, from time to time, I, we are expository preachers at our church, and so we just make our way through a book. And when we get through done with something, we usually spend a little time in the middle with some topical sermons and just some things that God has laid on our heart from the scripture. And as I was praying about what to share with you, I thought that might be a good thing just to kind of share from my heart the the work that God is doing at our church. So this was actually a a sermon that I gave to our church just to try to motivate them about our mission. And as I looked at your mission, I found that we have a very similar mission. So I thought, boy, I should share that with them. So that's the plan today. Um, So this should be a pretty easy sermon to follow. There's going to be two stories. There's going to be two principles And then a little chat about your church, alright? So I'll let you know along the way how we're making progress, so you'll know when it's just about time to be done, okay? Don't fear, it won't be long. So uh, let me start with our our first story. So back in, in 2014, my wife and I accepted the call to minister down at Calvary Baptist Church in Georgetown, Delaware, And that was quite a change for us. We were living up in the suburbs of Philadelphia, and God was calling us down to southern Delaware. And I don't know if you've been to southern Delaware, but somewhere, I don't know, uh, that red line, somewhere in the middle there, you all of a sudden are transported into the south. And you get down there, and everybody's got jacked up pickup trucks, and they're driving around, you're thinking, what has just happened? I am just like two hours from where I was in the city, and I'm in the middle of the south. Well, that's where we, we got to so we went down to minister there, and uh, uh, we did a couple of things differently. We, we had made some resolutions. I'll share them with you along the way here, but we really wanted our lives to count for Christ, and we wanted our lives to be, um, you know, just in a, a proclamation of the gospel in everything we did. So uh, my wife, Jen, made friends with this lady um, whose son was at Petra's, uh, my daughter's, gymnastic class. And so the two of them would go to the gymnastic studio. The kids would be, you know, doing their gymnastic thing, and Jen Jen just made friends with this lady. Her name was Leah, And uh, the two of them got talking. They both wanted to kind of get in shape together. So they, they joined the local gym together. They had this two-for-one deal. And they kind of went together like, no, we're not married, but we, we would like to join. They're like, oh, sure, no problem. And so the two of them joined, got the deal, and joined the gym together. And a little bit later, um, I joined the gym too. And I kind of just decided, hey, I'm going to get in shape a little bit. I'm going to make this kind of a ministry outlet. You know, so... Um, so Jen and Leah started making real good friends with uh, one of the coaches at the gym, and uh, I, I went to some of their classes as well, and I got to know her husband, Steve, and so Steve became one of my targets. He ran a paintball business on the side, and uh, I like paintball, so I would go and help him with this paintball field, and we got to know each other. Well, as our friendship grew a little bit, I was trying to build some bridges for the gospel. So trying to figure out the right way to do it and he knew I was a Christian and I didn't know exactly where he was at. And so I asked him uh, to to read a book with me. His wife and he were both readers. So I I thought, hey, do you want to start a a, a guy's book club? You know, that's kind of an unusual thing. There's plenty of girls' book clubs and so I thought, ah, you want to start a book club? He's like, sure, that'd be great. And so I, I got this book that we began to read together. The third chapter of this book, it was a book about you know, like, uh, asking general questions like, why are we here, that sort of thing. Well, the third chapter, I knew I'd read the book, the third chapter really hammered home the gospel. And so this was kind of like a bait and switch. Like, we're going to read a book together, but we're going to get to chapter three. And I just can't wait to, to, to get a chance to see what he thinks about the gospel. He's going to read the book about it. He's going he's to get a presentation of it. So that's, that's what I was looking forward to the whole time so we had a couple meetings over breakfast and we read this a couple chapters of this book together and it was we had a good conversation it was all good but i was looking forward to chapter three and so the the day was coming we had set the date to to come and have breakfast and talk about chapter three i called my friends my pastor friends hey i've got this guy you know i don't know if he's a christian we're reading chapter three together i can't wait and so we had our breakfast and uh we started to talk about the content of chapter 3. I was nervous. You know, like, here, here it is. Here it is. We're going to share the gospel with him. You know, I'm kind of sweating. And I, we get on with the chapter. We're reading through the content, talking about, you know, that, that Jesus came to be the substitute for our sins. And if we accept him as Savior, you know, we can have a relationship with God. And so I sort of say that to him. And I'm sort of like looking at him like, what's he, what's he going to say? How is this going to go? And I'll never forget what he said to me after sort of presenting the gospel to him. He goes, Oh, Pete, I, I already know about Jesus. Um, that, you know, that he died on the cross to save people. I, I heard that all my life. I've already taken care of that. I'm like, really? I knew Steve pretty well at this point. And, and while he was a nice guy, there was no evidence of gospel transformation in his life. And I'm not judging him, I'm just saying from the outside looking in, you would never know. That Steve was a Christian, if indeed he was. So I was really stunned at that moment. I thought, man, I've been building up to this for like a month. You know, we read chapter one, chapter two, and here was chapter three, you know, the big home run, and it wasn't going so great. Well, what I found out about Steve was what I began to find out about actually a lot of people that lived in Delaware. You see, down in Delaware, seemingly everyone claims to be a Christian. Many of them heard a message as a child and said a prayer at a vacation Bible school and figured out that they, they just kind of figured, well, I did that already. I'm all set. No one explained to them what it meant to have a relationship with God. They just thought, if I say these words of a prayer, then I'm all set. And so their lives show no evidence of transforming grace, but they would claim with their last breath that they are indeed a Christian. So he believed... Uh, Steve did, as well as many others that I met. He believed that Jesus was the Savior. If he asked him, who's the Savior of the world, he would have said Jesus. But he hadn't made the choice to accept Jesus as his Savior. I think I was supposed to put a picture up here. That was us at the gym. Sorry, I should have had someone else do this. Um, And here's me talking to Steve. That's not Steve. Just a uh, stock photo. And and here's what he thought. That Jesus was the Savior, but he hadn't made the choice to accept Jesus as his Savior savior the first story is done we're on to our first principle take your bibles and turn to acts chapter eight which please acts chapter eight i'm not sure if you know the story of philip and the ethiopian uh, official and so i want to read it for you and make a few comments about him Now an angel, this is verse 26 of Acts chapter 8. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go uh, toward the south to a road that goes down to Jerusalem, to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, and a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship And he was returning, seated in his chariot. He was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come and sit with him. Well, that's quite an opportunity, isn't it? I mean, the Spirit says, hey, there's this guy. He's reading Isaiah. He doesn't know what he's he's reading. Go and explain it to him. So Philip goes, and again, he's an unsaved uh, government official of Ethiopia, and he's reading the prophet Isaiah. And so Philip takes the chance, and he he asks the man if he understands what he's reading. And in in turn, he gets invited into the chariot to explain it to him. Take a look at verse 32. Now, the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb, before its shearers, is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him, whom can describe his generation. For his life is taken away from bread, from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does this prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and began with the scriptures. He told them the good news about Jesus. And and as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? Verse 38. um, And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water. And Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. Well, in this text, the, the Ethiopian eunuch has um, a, a level of belief, even as he's leaving Jerusalem. He's curious. He, he actually goes and gets a copy of Isaiah. When we see that he was reading the Bible, we all picture him taking out his cell phone and you know, opening the Bible app and reading Isaiah. Well, of course, it didn't go like that. In order to have a copy of Isaiah, he would have had to have a conversation with somebody because that was a scroll that he would have purchased or had copied or something. So there is a level of curiosity and desire in this eunuch's life, though he hasn't truly understood what it means to put his faith in Christ. So Philip comes along the way, explains to him that the prophet Isaiah was actually prophesying about Jesus. I mean, do you hear that question that the eunuch asked him? Who's this person that he prophesied? And, and Philip's got to be going like, well, this is the perfect opportunity. Sometimes it's hard to witness, and sometimes it's easy. Well, easy answer to that question is Jesus. Let me tell you about him. Well, what happened along the way here is the, the Ethiopian eunuch puts his faith in Jesus, and he makes a public profession by having Philip baptize him. You see, he he made his belief personal. He went from believing that, that there was a Messiah that he was reading about in Isaiah to accepting and believing that Jesus was his Messiah. It's just a little change of words, but it makes all the difference. You see, we believe that God makes his salvation available to everyone who repents and believes, right? You believe this. First Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So this step of repentance and belief is available to all. And if you haven't do, had done so, I would urge you to put your faith in Christ. His <laughs> salvation is available to you if God wants you to make the Savior your Savior. Well, there's the verse. Boy, I tell you, I'm not doing a very good job here. God calls you to make the Savior Savior. Your Savior. Now, I think we all would sort of agree with that that part of the message. So we're we're just about done uh, with uh, principle number two. We'll be on to story number two. We're making great progress. Um, We would all agree with that. You're going to find people, as you witness to others, you're going to find people that know about Jesus. They might even be able to talk a, a, a good game, but they haven't applied that personally to them. They haven't confessed that they're a sinner. And so we would all agree that we want that person to go from just thinking that Jesus is a Savior to to Jesus being their personal Savior. Now what I want to talk about next is a similar transition that needs to take place in the life of the believer. A similar change in perspective that needs to happen. We all agree that it needs to happen to the person who knows about Jesus... And that person needs to come to know Jesus personally. Well, the same is true in another area of the Christian faith. But before we talk about that, I'm on to story number two. Those of you that are are keeping track, we're, uh, we're making great progress almost halfway. Here we go. Just before we moved to Delaware, God was really working in my heart. I sort of mentioned this. Um, I was an assistant pastor at a church that was a little bigger than, than I was normally used to being in and I kind of got caught into the machine of it. I was the music pastor, and so I, you know, would come each Sunday and present worship, and I, I sort of got into a rut there, and I started to realize that I didn't have a lot of connections with people who weren't Christians. I mean, it was, it was all, you know, nice and good to witness to my other, you know, uh, pastor colleagues, but all of them entrusted Christ, so they didn't need me to tell them about Jesus, and, and I started to realize I didn't have a lot of people like that, and uh, God was beginning a work in my heart. Um... So as a, as a, a couple of years before we went down to Delaware, um, I, I started to get convicted about the fact this is a picture of uh, our row of townhouses. Ours is actually, I think this one here to the right um, was our door, maybe one over, I can't remember. But uh, there were five units in our townhouse and we began to realize we didn't really know these people. Like they lived next door to us. We waved at them as we were getting into our cars in the morning but I didn't know their spiritual condition, and they didn't know mine, and, and, and we would shovel each other's uh, you know, sidewalks sometimes and help get the car out of the, out of the snow and that sort of thing, but just hardly knew each other. So God began to work in our hearts, and I was, I was really ashamed that as we were leaving to uh, getting ready to leave for Delaware, it's like we didn't know these people that well. And so a couple years before we left, we, we did a big Christmas party. Remember that, honey? We did this Christmas party for our building. We said, hey, Christmas party at the Radfords. And you know what, all the other, everybody else, the whole, the whole neighborhood, our whole, all five units showed up at our house and was like, oh my goodness, we're getting to know these people. And we, we shared some Christmas memories and we shared, when it came around to us, we kind of, you know, kind of pre-planned it. When it came to us, we're going to tell what Christmas means to us. And that was our first chance to really share the gospel with them. Well, fast forward then to, you know, when we're moving down to Delaware, I really made a determination that the Holy Spirit was at work in my heart that I I have got to be somebody who's sharing the gospel with other people. I've spent too much of my Christian life, you know, keeping it to myself. And so, God, would you somehow help me to figure out a way to share Christ with the people around me? Now, let me just pause and say that um, I'm not really comfortable talking about myself as an example because if you looked behind the curtain you would know that I'm as messed up as anybody um, I, I I've got serious issues I am not a model Christian I, I try to I try to follow Christ but uh, you're not looking at the Apostle Paul here I'm just I'm a guy I'm just like you and I was I was just begging God God I need to share the gospel with people and I don't know how to do it at that point I had like three and a half seminary degrees and all these, all this information, and I couldn't figure out how to share Christ with people around me. So I was just begging God, show me a way. Now I wish I had invented some revolutionary system that I could present to you today, and for 995, you know four easy installments of 995, you can be an evangelist too. I, I didn't invent anything that good, um, but let me just tell you some of the things that we did. So we moved down into this neighborhood, and the neighborhood had an HOA. How many of you live somewhere that has an HOA? Uh, One of you does, okay. HOAs do not have a reputation for being very helpful, right? They pretend to be helpful, but a lot of times, HOAs are about a bunch of people that wanna boss people around, and so they get on the HOA board. So our HOA board was just forming in this community, and so I decided I'm gonna get on the HOA board, And I'm going to try to do my best to make our HOA about being kind to other people, doing things that make good sense, and getting involved with others. And to my surprise, I found myself around a bunch of people that I never would have had contact with. uh, This guy named Tony and and this other lady named Maria. I I mean, I, I, I wouldn't have known them. And here, every month we would get together and we would talk. And they started to know me and I started to know them. And that became just the start of, of a chance to share Christ with them. I already mentioned that we joined the local gym. And I started going to the same classes at the same time so that I would be with the same people at the, in this gym. So we just started working out together. I started to know them. They started to know me. One of my favorite things would happen when, you know, months, I didn't, didn't like broadcast to them who I was and what I did. I was a pastor in the local community. and I just, I just worked out next to them. And uh, they, were, they were athletes. And if you know athletes, a lot of times it, it can be some crude talk. There can be language that doesn't please God going on. I'm not going to stop them. They're, they are them. Let them be them. Well, about six months into it, they'd be like, did you know that Pete was a pastor? And they're like, you know, like repenting of all their sins that they did for the last six months while I was around. But, but I loved that, that I could get to know them just as a person. And in time... God just gave us a chance to kind of be the pastor for the gym. When people had problems and issues, they would come and talk to me. And they'd come and talk to Jen as well. And it was just an awesome opportunity to share Christ. I, I remember time sitting with one of my coaches at breakfast, at his request. And he says, I've got a question for you. He was going through a rough time. He says, I've watched you and Jen go through some hard times. How in the world do you remain so calm and peaceful when hard things happen in your life. I mean, I, I felt like Philip in the Ethiopian eunuch. I mean, it was like this is a this is a home run. You're telling me I get to tell you about Jesus because that's the only way that I hold it together when times are difficult. Pretty awesome. Some of the other things we did, Jen started to volunteer at the local public school. She just figured out who our daughter's teachers were and said, Hey, if I come in once a week, can I help you? Well, any teacher in the right mind is like I would be happy for you to help me they just stacked up piles of can you run off all these things and gave Jen all the busy copy work and and they loved it and eventually she was a substitute teacher at that school and that became another community for us and they started to know who we were and I remember the day when one of the teachers called me and said you're Jen's husband right you're a pastor I need to talk to you and it was like you know, people are asking to talk to me and I'm not asking you to talk to them. It's an amazing thing. Well, during COVID, um, I'm sure you all experienced that, right? What do you do in COVID? And, um, so I'm in, and I'm part of that gym community and uh, everybody's going stir crazy because we can't work out. You know, they closed all the gyms. So what are we going to do? And all these athletes are, you know, just banging their heads, heads against the wall. So I just send them all an email say, hey, I'm starting a running club. We're going to meet in this parking lot I'll I'll mark out a loop for us and we'll run together. Well, that's what we did for an entire summer. We were getting like 25 and 30 athletes coming out just to run around with us. And people of all stripes, let me just say, you know? And it gave us a chance to just show kindness to them. I would bring Gatorade. So so what did I do to start a running club? I sent an email and I bought Gatorade. That's all I did. They're like, does it cost anything to be in your club? No, we just come and we run together. that's all we did. It was just a chance for me to help and love them. I, I love to run. That's something that I do. And so I could share that with all of them. All of this to say that in my heart, and I'm not holding myself up as an example because I, I'm not a particularly gifted evangelist. I'm not, you know, I, I get nervous when I'm about to share the gospel with somebody. And if you had that feeling, when, like, oh, here it goes, here is my chance. What if I said something wrong? What if they ask me a question I don't know the answer to? What's going to happen? I, I, that, that same feeling in the pit of my stomach happens every single time. So God just sort of flipped a switch in my mind. And, and only God could have done that because I have all the same re- hesitations and reservations that you have. And so he changed my heart that, that I needed to just start trying to share the gospel with people around us. Just needed to figure out a way to do that. Well, we're done with the second story. On to the second principle. Man, we're getting where uh, Brad's kids are so excited. They, I know what they normally put up with. Um, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. Take a look, if you will, please, at Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. I'd like to read um, just a, a several verses Here. Colossians chapter one. We'll start in the second part of, of verse twenty-three. So, chapter one, verse twenty-three, the second part, and I'll just read for a little while. I, I sort of want you to listen. Want you to listen to Paul's heart as it relates to the gospel. Just kind of listen, He, he sort of just unveils his heart here. In twenty-three B, the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which you, which has been proclaimed to all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Now I rejoice in my suffering for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up that which is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints, Now, to be honest, there's probably a dozen passages in the New Testament that we could have read and gotten the same impression. But I happened to be doing a study of my devotions in Colossians. I thought this will work. In every corner of this passage, do you sense the urgency and the burden that Paul has to share the message of the gospel? He is passionate about this. In verse 24, he's grateful for the suffering because it enhances the spread of the gospel. He's like, okay, God. I don't mind suffering because the gospel is going forward while I suffer. In verse 25, he sees himself as commissioned with the, mes- the message of the gospel. In verse 28, he, he, gives his, he gives us the focus of his life, and that was to make Christ known. In verse 29, he talks about working tirelessly and depending on God's power to accomplish his ministry. So, when you cut Paul, he bled the gospel. That's what his life was all about. You see, something had happened to Paul. He had taken Christ's commission to share the gospel to the whole world to a new level. I just realized I haven't advanced the PowerPoint slide forever. Um, Sorry. Uh, Should have had someone else do this. They normally do this at my church for me. That would have been a better choice. Um, Here's what I'm about to say. Um... He had taken Christ's commission to share the gospel to the next level. You see, the great commission had become his commission. Paul took it personally. When when Jesus commissioned the disciples in Matthew 28, he says, All authority has been given to you. Go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey all the commands that I gave you. And and lo, I'm with you always. I'm going to go with you on this mission. Well, I think we all would affirm that that is the Great Commission. And we are to fulfill that. In fact, I think on, on, on the front of your bulletin it says making disciples as one of your core values. So I think you agree with me that this is something that we need to do. But uh, So again, let me be clear that I am no Apostle Paul. I am a, a person who gets nervous when I share about Jesus too, just like you. But what God did in my heart when we moved to Delaware was was very similar to what he had done in the Apostle Paul's heart, but but to a lesser degree because he was the Apostle Paul and I'm just Peter. Uh, I started to realize that the Great Commission needed to be carried out in my neighborhood. It wasn't the job of the missionaries that we were sending to China to reach my neighborhood for Jesus. It was my job because God had given me the Great Commission. It wasn't my job, uh, it wasn't the job of the, the, the deacons to reach my running partner for Christ. It was my job. His name is Andrew. I, tra- I tried to share gospel, the gospel with him mile after mile, and he just put walls up higher than you can imagine. He loved that I was his running partner, but I could not get to where he'd let me share the gospel. I'm still in touch with Andrew. He's training for the Philadelphia Marathon. I'm doing his programming, and we're talking, and I'm hoping that one day. I'm going to get to share Jesus with him. He knows I'm a Christian. And every time I got close to that, he would just back away from that conversation so fast. But it wasn't anyone else's job to share Jesus with Andrew. It was my job. Reaching my kids' unsaved teachers for Jesus was my job. Sharing Christ with the guys on the HOA board was my job. And so if I wasn't going to share Jesus with them, who was going to do it? Well, here's my point. We all agree that to become a Christian, a person needs to not just believe that God sent a Savior, but a person needs to accept Him as their Savior. We agree with that transition. Yeah, I get that. I think a similar transition in heart must occur if we're ever going to reach the world for Christ. The Great Commission needs to become my commission. We have to stop outsourcing the gospel to professionals. You know, like, hey, pastor, I need you to talk to my neighbor and tell them about Jesus. And and I want to say as a pastor, that's not my job. I'm working on my neighbors. You need to share Jesus with your neighbors. It's your job to do that. You see, the Great Commission must become my commission. Sharing Jesus is not just the job of the pastors and the missionaries and the elders and the deacons and the Sunday school teachers. Yes, it's their job too, but it is your job. Paul felt that responsibility deep in his heart. It was a a mission that he was on. It was the purpose of his life. And so my prayer is that you too will begin to feel it deeply. That it won't just be, hey, maybe I'll share the gospel someday, but that you will pray and scheme and position yourself and start relationships and and start going to the same restaurant the same time and sitting at the same table so you get the same waitress so you can start to share Christ with her. Well, her name's Helene. That's where we used to go to eat down in Georgetown. Every Friday, me and the other pastor would sit down at at Helene's table. And we we just were kind to her. We tipped well. And eventually, Helene figured out we were pastors. And we invited Helene to a service. And she came to the service and I preached the gospel to her. And the next Friday, there we were, eating at Pizza Palace. That was the only restaurant close to us. And she asked me a question. She said, are you saying that Jesus is the only way to find salvation? I said, yes, Elaine, that's exactly right. She goes, oh, okay. She couldn't accept that there was only one way to heaven. And I spent three years getting for that opportunity to share the gospel with her. And, and, and now she's heard the gospel. And how I pray that, that she accepts it when we go down to visit. We actually talked about going to sit at the same table and see if we get Elaine again just because, just to have one more chance to see how she was doing and to share Christ with her. So again, our, our big idea for today is this. God calls every person to embrace uh, the Savior, Jesus, as his Savior or her Savior. And the Great Commission as his or her commission. So we've done two stories. We've done two scriptural principles. The only thing left is a chat. Are you ready? Um. It is a great privilege for me to be sharing Christ and, and sharing the word with you here at Providence. Um, I've been watching Brad's ministry along the way, and uh, it, it's exciting to see the work that God is doing here. Um, God has given you a good church. It's focused on the gospel. He's given you good pastors. Well, at least there's Pastor Nate. He's great. Pastor Brad, well, bless his heart. Um, just teasing. He's giving you two great guys. That, that can lead you. And what a blessing that is. Let me read from your website. Providence serves the Westerville and North Columbus areas as a word-centered, grace-driven community of Christ followers. That's quite a high bar that you set for yourselves. A community of Christ followers. The... Uh, The mission statement of our church at Calvary Baptist Church is quite similar. It's this big, long thing. Well, it's not there anymore. So um, it's this big, long thing. But the the shorter version of it is this growing disciples who make disciples. We want to be followers of Jesus and we want to be followers of Jesus. Don't just follow him ourselves, but we invite other people to follow Jesus as well. Um, This is a great mission for, for our churches to be followers of Jesus. And, and this mission aims to enlist every member of the church in the Great Commission. That, that's our goal. Did you realize that that's the game we're playing? We're not just here to present to a church on a Sunday morning. We're here to equip you to accomplish the Great Commission in your life. You see, making disciples includes sharing the gospel with unbelievers and strengthening believers in the faith. And God wants you involved in every part of that. So can, can you just think with me for a moment? Church is bigger than the hour and 25 minutes that we commit to it on a Sunday. Um, yes, we think you should come. It's important to be part of church, but but church is just the staging ground. It is the launching pad, if you will, to send you out to do what God has called you to do. So stop thinking about the worship gathering as the sum total of your church commitment. The worship gathering is like the huddle before the game. It's like the halftime speech. Uh, uh, imagine going to a football game. And you watch the team and you know, they're having their halftime speech and it gets done And they all walk onto the field, and then they just go to get in their cars, and they leave. And you're like, hey, where are you going? I mean, I I came to watch a football game. They're like, oh, no, no, we came for the halftime speech. The halftime speech is really amazing. The coach is very inspiring. And we just, we like to come and hear the halftime speech. That's that's the highlight for us. Well, that wouldn't make any sense, right? You wouldn't pay any money for those tickets. So Christian, understand that what happens on a Sunday morning is like a halftime speech. It's meant to get you the information you need to get your life centered back on Jesus. And then you're supposed to get out there and enter the game. The Christian life is what happens between Sundays as you minister, as you work to accomplish the Great Commission in your life. So again, just to be clear, God wants you involved in the Great Commission. He wants the Great Commission to be your commission. So I've got a question for you. How's that going? Have you shared Christ with anyone recently? Have you set the set the the the, the play in motion? I mean maybe it's you know I told you my story when, when I'm sharing Christ with Steve it's like, hey, you want to start a book club? Yeah, alright. Ha <laughs> ha ha. Chapter three. I can't wait for chapter three. Are you setting a trap for somebody? Do you have a relationship with your neighbor? Take a step back. Do, do you know your neighbor's name? Do they know you? Go, go and get to know them. Show Christ with them. If you show up on a doorstep with a with a plate of hot cookies, everyone's gonna open their door. I mean, they're they're going to. Maybe just to open the door and snatch the cookies, I don't know. But just start a relationship with them. Find a way. So so my neighbor, his name is Andy. And uh, Andy's a Mr. Fix It kind of guy, and um I, I uh, when we moved into our house, he was wondering. He's like, "Hey, do you want to you want to use my lawn service?" I'm like, "Oh no, I got my own tractor. One of my friends is bringing it up from Delaware." And he, when when my friend unloaded the tractor, he was like, he was green with envy, and it was kind of funny because it was a John Deere tractor, so it was green, and he was he was he loved that thing. He's like, "That that looks like an amazing machine." I'm like, "Ah, it's great." So I'm mowing my lawn, and, and a couple weeks later, he goes and buys a tractor. He's like, you know, he's like, "You can't one up me here," you know, and so I have this relationship with Andy. Um, the other week for Father's Day, Andy invited me to go golfing with him. And I thought it was just going to be the two of us. It ended up being the two of us and like 12 other guys. It was just like an annual outing that he invites all these guys to go out golfing. And so I did a whole round of golf with Andy. Now, Andy's not a Christian. Um, I, I lost count of how many beers he drank on the round of golf. It was upward. I lost count of 10. Um, but I had a great time with him. And uh, just the other day, um, I invited him out for a quick round of golf, and uh, he and I just talked a little bit. And again, I, I wasn't quite ready to spring the trap. I kept moving towards it and you know, asking him, but I, I'm just, I'm, I'm tilling the ground. And one of these days, I'm going to be able to share Christ with Andy. I'm going to earn his trust enough that he can hear the gospel from me. So uh, are you doing that? Do you have relationships that you are, are working and you're leveraging so that you can share the gospel? Now, now please understand, I, I, I'm not trying to be unreasonable here. Some people in the room have, have the gift of being an evangelist, and, and you're going to be way better than me at this. And, and, and there's others of us that, that, that are, are a little more shy and, and are a little timid about sharing the gospel. I, I'm not saying that you have to be an apostle Paul. I'm just saying that you must take up your role. In sharing the gospel. There is something for everyone to do. To accomplish the great commission. So I want you to begin to pray. I want you to begin to pray. Like I did a few years ago. And God is still doing this work in my life. And he is still changing me. To be a great commission Christian. But I want you to start praying. That God will make you. A great commission Christian. That you will leverage. Every relationship you have. Start to see that God puts every relationship in your life as a platform for the gospel. And start strategizing how you can use it. The the mailman walks up and says, hey, how you doing? You're like, hey, thanks for being our mailman at Christmas time. Give him some cookies and, and be kind to them and just try to make a relationship. Your hairdresser, your... Uh, the person that you work out next to at the gym, the, your co-worker, your family member, everybody that's in your life has been divinely placed there so that you can start the work of tilling the ground and sharing the gospel with them. So God wants you to become a great commission Christian, to come to church for the, for the halftime pep talk And then go enter the arena. Go enter the game. Roll up your sleeves and share Jesus with someone this week. So for those of you to whom it feels completely impossible, like I'm so glad this guy is up here droning on and on about sharing the gospel. I'm never going to do it. Let, Let me encourage you to do this. Ask God to give you an opportunity this week. I dare you. I dare you to ask God for an opportunity To share your faith. Or just just tell someone that, or ask someone about that. Here's a great question. Where are you at in your spiritual journey? Unassuming question. Ask God to give you a chance to ask somebody that question this week. I dare you to do it. Because God has a way, when we pray according to his will, God has a way of making it happen. So what I'm praying is that you'll pray that prayer. And what I'm praying is that next week, There's going to be a little buzz in this room of, hey, I prayed that prayer this week, and let me tell you what happened. You'll never believe it. My car was broken down on the side of the road, and someone stopped to help me, and I got to share Christ with them. It was amazing. I hope that that story and a bunch of others are buzzing around this room because you had the courage to pray and ask God to help you fulfill the great commission that he's charged you to do. Let's pray together, Father, it's a great blessing to be charged with the Great Commission. It is a a great responsibility. Father, it is a responsibility that we have shirked for so long as conservative Christians. We're excited about the missionaries to go to another country and share Jesus. But we sit in silence as our neighbors are mowing their lawns. And as our co-workers are going on with their lives. So Father... We confess that to you as a sin, a grave sin. And we pray that you would make evangelists out of us. I pray that you would work in our hearts deeply so that we would make the Great Commission our commission. I pray that just, just Lord, maybe one or two people here would pray that prayer to you. God, give me a chance to share my faith this week. Help them to courageously pray that prayer and then with eager anticipation to open their eyes to the harvest that is white all around them and give them a chance this week to share their faith. Father, I pray that, that as a result of those prayers that there will be some people in this church in a couple of weeks. In a few months, new believers, new people that maybe haven't even trusted Christ yet, but are curious to find out what this is all about. Would you help us to accomplish the commission that you've given us? We'll give you the praise and the glory when we do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.